Hey everyone, welcome to the Bible Belt Bros podcast. Today we have a interest. No, it's a great episode today, Andrew, because you're back with me. I was, yes, yes, I was here, here last, last you time too. You were here too. last week, okay, so... Did you forget? You, you <laughs> replaced me already, <laughs> and and you forget when I'm here now. Yeah, I had some some uh, job application things sent to me, but no no good takers here. Nobody wants to work for free nowadays. I don't <laughs> I don't understand why. No, today's a good day because we actually have our other buddy Michael on the podcast. Say hello, Michael. Don't What's sh- up, everybody? Don't be shy. We uh, Michael works at our church. The church that matters. Nobody's really sure what he <laughs> what he does all day. He just is always everywhere. So I see him on Facebook a lot. Well, you know, um, when you work at a church, you only work on Sundays. That's true. So, yeah. So you never know what I'm going to be doing Monday through Friday. Yeah, Monday through Friday, you're just hanging out, eating pizza all the time. But then Saturday is my day off. So. I wish I had a day off. Some of that's my choice. It is, to an extent. As a realtor, you're on call all the time. Right. I People are always calling me. As a pastor, you're on call. All the time. All the time. Andrew, do you like the... Uh, I did some manly things. I hung up some stuff. Is that... You like it? Is it cool? Um, so... <clears throat> it's straight? Uh, it was manly until you asked me if I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't... You didn't give me a compliment about it, and I... I didn't even know you did it. Cool. So, but it uh, it is pretty good. Good job. I'm trying to. Did you have to call your dad? No. Surprising. I just put some holes in the wall, and then it was in the wrong spot, so I put a couple more holes in the wall, and we're good to go. So, good did job. You patch the old holes. No. Nah. You just hang it where you cover. You it hang up? it where you cover it up. Okay. <laughs> That's. The best part, Michael, he used his wife's tools. Yes, yes, yes. When, okay. when, pink, when I, pink tools. When I got married, I basically had nothing to my name, and so my wife had all the tools, all basically everything besides the video games. And so that's what I brought to the relationship was gaming. Video games. <laughs> <laughs> but no way me. to hang them up. No, no, no? Way, no way to hang them up, right? Yeah, so it's it's good. It's it, It's cool. I was just fishing for a compliment here. All right, back to Michael. Uh, so, Michael, tell us a little bit about you, how you got into ministry, what you do currently, so that I know where my tithe is going and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> my name's Michael Wilson. I um, am married to my wife of five years. Um, we got married and moved to Haiti and lived in Haiti for a year and a half. Then we moved back and I was part-time missions pastor at a local church here in Sand Springs. And then whenever my wife got pregnant with Lincoln, our 11-month-old son, she decided that she wanted to stay home. And part-time church work definitely does not pay the bills. So for her to leave her job, um, I went and got another job, full-time job working at a manufacturing facility. And then um, through just my relationship with Pastor Rusty, um, we were talking and I was able to fill a role as the um, executive pastor of local missions at Church That Matters. And I, I broke the number one rule of churches. I You went to another church in the same I town. I worked at a church and left there and then started working at another church in the same town. But 
it's on the other side of the river. So, um, <laughs> so does really, that even count? Is it really the same so town? Really, really, you just one-upped our pastor because he left a church in the same town and no, he, started well, a church you know, on the I'm, same side of the river. <laughs> well, he, his, he, he one-upped me. I, yeah. I can't beat that because not only is it the same side, but I didn't start a new church. Right, yeah. But, yeah. So our church is a bunch of rule breakers, what you're saying. But, you know, that's that's who Jesus is after. There we go. Good answer. Look, that's a, a mission pastor's answer right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You were in ministry, though, before you became a pastor. Right? Yeah. You, you know, um, so I gave my life to Christ at the age of 23. Well, 22, almost 23, a month before I turned 23. And um, really just hated Christians. They were just a bunch of hypocrites. Um, Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> Everybody was telling me what I was doing wrong. They never, um, I, I it just, I, I had nothing to do, didn't want anything to do with Christianity, with anything. Uh, went to college at NSU, partied it up. Um, I was wild and um, one morning woke up and I was drunk on my, one of my fraternity brother's couches and um, which he um, is actually chasing his dream to become a professional wrestler. You guys might have met him. Oh, yeah. Um, he, him. he came into town. He lives in Georgia right now. Um, but he, I was on his couch, woke up still drunk from the night before, went and looked at myself in the mirror, still drunk, right before I was about to go to class. Um, went to a large majority of my classes drunk. Um, but I was there. I went and partied the night before, and then I made it to my classes. Um and I looked at myself in the mirror and said, man, there's got to be something more than this. And then went on with my day. And that same day, my mom called me and she had said, hey, Michael, I, I've been trying out this new church. I want you to come to church with me this Sunday. And, you know, when your mom asks you to do something, you do it. Yep. Um, so so I went to church at Life Church. Um, which it was lifechurch.tv or something back back then. And um, he was talking about the good shepherd, how Jesus is the good shepherd. And um, I felt like that was like a message directly to me. And then they gave the altar call and the rebel in me didn't raise my hand, didn't respond to the gospel. Um, but I was beginning to, my spirit was being stirred. So... I went back to NSU um, in Tahlequah, and then next weekend decided, hey, I'm going to go to church with my mom again. Went to church with my mom again, and that um, Sunday he was talking about um, the adulterous woman and how all of the Pharisees were sitting there ready to stone her. No, not recreationally. They were going to kill her with rocks because she was caught in sleeping with a married man but yet the married man didn't get um, didn't get drug out in front of the Pharisees, if you guys um, notice that about Scripture. But they drag this woman out into the open. Most likely, they, they caught her in the act of adultery, then brought her out. So most likely, she was naked still. Drug her out. Um, she, so she's all out there, probably butt naked in front of a bunch of people in shame and everything. And these Pharisees are asking, so Jesus, what do we do with her? What do we the the law says to stone her, and what they were doing was trying to catch her in or catch Jesus um, 
because if he says stone her, then he's seen as harsh, which he's known for his compassion. But if he says don't stone her, then he's going against the law, which would mean that he is um, a heretic. And um, his answer was he was out sin, cast the first stone. Most people who are watching or listening to this are, I mean, if they're Christian, then they know most likely know that story. But um, in that moment, I met Jesus, and it wasn't religion, but it was like Jesus. I, I've been, the Pharisees were crowded around me all my life telling me, throwing stones, saying, I'm doing this wrong, I'm doing this wrong, doing this wrong, doing this wrong. But the, in that moment, I received Christ, and I understood that I can't judge Jesus by his followers because his followers are sinful, horrible humans that are messing up all the time. So in that moment, I met Jesus, and then um, my life was basically fast-forwarded there and then moved to a foreign country a year later. Um, so, yeah. So at that point, did you already know your wife or know Bailey? I so I had met her um, because I work with worked with her brother, and I just given my life to Christ, and um, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, like how I was going to grow in the things of God. And I was at lunch, and I just asked you, I was like, hey, do you guys know anybody who goes on mission trips? Because I felt like that was my next step. And a guy named Blake said, hey, yeah, my sister does that. Long story short, met her, went on a mission trip. We got engaged, and then... The rest is history. So she would have had nothing to do with me had I not already given my life to Christ. So I met her after um, I had met Jesus. Because I knew at one point they were going to Life Church as well, and I assume it was the 41st Street Life Church. Yes, Midtown. And we actually went to the same church, but it didn't ever— I didn't know her, so we probably passed in the lobby and didn't know who she was. right. Um, yeah, because even I, I only know that they did because I also went to that church about that same time. So, what did you do in Haiti? You were there for a year and a half. I saw pictures, but our listeners haven't. So, did what, you did you donate? I did not. Oh, I just man. saw pictures. Didn't support the mission. Nope. <laughs> I was supporting Peru. Okay. Well, um, so we worked with the abandoned elderly there. So in Haiti, you always hear. Oh, the kids, the kids, the kids, the kids, the kids. Let's build a school. Let's um, do these programs because that's all flashy and cute. Kids are cute. Um, but wiping an elderly person's bum is not cute. It's not sexy. And people have neglected it. And we noticed that on our trip that the elderly were being abandoned. And what happens in Haiti is a family, a, a mom and dad have to choose, am I going to feed my kids or am I going to feed my parents? Because unlike the United States, um, generations live together in Haiti. One, poverty is one of the reasons, but also there's just a strong family tie, and there's not a striving to be an individual as far as like independence and all of that. They believe that family lives together, takes care of each other, and all that. So so you've got those two elements. They live together, and one of two things will happen is the they can't afford to feed their kids and parents, so they kick their parents out, 
or the parents decide, I don't want my child to have to decide between feeding my grandkids or me, so I'm just going to leave. And what they do is they go off and die. And the average, I, I want to say the average age of death is like 62 years old in Haiti. And that's this. That's one of the factors. And it's been neglected. And there's only one, like what you, we would call a nursing home in Haiti, um, the whole island. So it's extremely neglected. We saw that. So we went down with an organization there and we're on staff with them to jumpstart a program that would provide food, clothing, medical, and all of that. And we did that through a sponsorship program. So we created that, got it completely Haitian ran to where um, there were Haitian employees running it. So we were providing jobs for the people of the town, but then also providing the need that was there with the elderly. Um, so that, that's what we did. Awesome. So what made you come back to the States? Um, we were ready. Uh, okay. We were ready to have a family and um, have a kid, and the medical care there is not the best. And I mean, some people might say, "Oh, well, you just have you just don't have enough faith." But I think wisdom right. plays a part there. Um, and we were just ready to close that chapter. We had accomplished the mission that we felt like we were to do, and that was to create this program and make it Haitian ran. Gotcha. And a lot of people will go to other countries and live there forever and do all that. Um, but our heart was to provide jobs and train up Haitians to take care of Haitians. It wasn't the American to take care of Haitians. Right. We wanted to train the Haitian people and teach them that you don't need handouts. You can provide for your family. You can do the work. You can change your country. You don't need the American to come in and fix your problems, you can fix it. So that that's our heartbeat is not to be the hinge in which something is working. So we went in, trained up employees to do this and provide for their families and do that. So um, Awesome. Now you are a man of many words. What? Well, he's he's definitely called to ministry. Right. With the amount of talking. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I can definitely talk, that's for sure. No, I was going to say, you are a man with many hats when it comes to our church. I was going to change gears. We've we've kind of learned about Michael Wilson, who you are. Uh, now let's kind of dive into what you do now at, within our church, because you wear a lot of hats. Uh, you lead our food distribution. You run our uh, restaurant, the Coney Shop. Uh, just, just speak for him at this point. Right. right. Well, I'm going to have him go <laughs> dive deeper into all of this. Um, but, and, and there's a lot of other stuff you do. And then you also you preach some Sundays uh, when Rusty's gone. But yeah. um, So tell us a little bit about that and, and what you do in each of those roles. I am the local missions pastor, and I do have a lot of hats, but they're all under the local missions thing. So, um, as you guys know, you're a part of Church That Matters, so you know that we believe that um, ministry isn't a job title, but it's a lifestyle. So, we have businesses that most people would say is a business, but we see it as a ministry opportunity in a mission field, because people that wouldn't come into the church building will go eat conies or will go to get snow cones or will go into the Prattville market. So using businesses as a way to reach more people is the goal of that, and that's how that works into falling under 
my leadership in the missions department business-wise. And one of the things I saw you do yesterday was you, um, because kids were out of school, you ended up doing a really cheap dollar coney day because parents usually don't have the budget for feeding their kids at home when they should be at school eating. <laughs> so, yeah. so things like that I've seen also, or people coming in doing mission work and you're like, Hey, we're going to feed you over here. Things like that. Yeah. It's a great opportunity because I mean, we didn't, or I didn't, um, and I, I could be blind, but I didn't see this ice storm coming. Um, I mean, people talk about it, but they always talk about it and it never happens and it happened. So like just thinking feeding your kids is expensive and if you were like me and didn't expect the ice storm to come and you weren't prepared for it and you went didn't grab groceries because you expected your kids to be home, then it'd be expensive, an expense that you weren't prepared for, weren't planning for. So we did dollar conies just to help because um, that's a cheap way to feed your kids. And um, yeah, so we wanted to relieve some stuff, relieve some financial stress that way. Um, and then it's also easy to do, but I mean, you guys know with the Coney's whenever everything happened with COVID and everything shut down, we were doing, um, Coney's free Coney's for the elderly and, um, kids that were under the age of 18. So that's another way that we leverage what we have. And I think that played a, a huge role in the opportunities that we've had with food distribution. So as far as uh, the food distribution, the churches are also partnered with a farmer program in which you don't only get to affect Sand Springs, which is local missions, but you get to affect the entire country. Can you tell us about that as well? Yeah, so um, we're a part of the Farmers to Family program. So what happened is farmers were having to dump out their milk and throw away their produce, and smaller farms were going to go under. And the United States government under the Trump administration had enacted this Farmers to Family program. And what that was is they would buy the produce and dairy, milk, all of that stuff through stipends and stuff like that. Um, that's a little bit above my pay grade, knowing how all that works. Um, I don't think anybody really There's knows. quite a lot above your pay grade. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, that's something the president worries about. But what we have is um, we were getting boxes of produce. Now it has meat, um, butter, cream cheese, cottage cheese, stuff like that, and then milk. And we were distributing out. And you guys also know, being a part of Church That Matters, that we're not, we're about Jesus. We're not about right. Church That Matters. We don't right. see other churches as competition but we see them as partners in the gospel so we've actually we really give away more than we distribute i mean we give we give away i mean we have probably 13 churches in the tulsa area a couple in sand springs that we give food to to do distributions at their facilities Um, but pastor rusty you guys know he is the definition of a hustler um and he is actually just, I mean, getting stuff all over the country. Like, I was talking to him today, and he was saying he's, like, got trucks going to, like, Indiana or something that he's running the deal. And the thing is, they're using distributors to distribute this food. But they're used to, their connections are with Walmart, with Whole Foods, with all these places because they sell food. But 
they're trying to give this away because they have to give it to nonprofits to distribute to the community. So Walmart's not buying these boxes. So they don't have the connections that Pastor Rusty does, and he knows everybody. We were everybody, everybody. But like in his contacts, he has like over seven thousand numbers. 7,000 numbers, and he's connected all around the United States. So he's sending truckloads to churches all over the nation. Um, I think it was like 33 states that he's like running. Wow. He's trafficking um, <laughs> trafficking food, <laughs> trafficking groceries um, <laughs> around the United States. So he's a grocery cartel? Yes. Um, me, I only handle the Tulsa area with... Um, our semis gotcha um, through this so we started with the conies we were talking about how it opened up doors people saw what we were doing and they wanted to be a part of it so um uh we actually got a um tw- or 53 foot refrigerated semi truck that is parked in our driveway that is being um utilized for this food so that we can spread it out and reach more people and be able to hold it for a longer period of time and we don't just have to give it away. And um, and a company donated that time, so it's a rental, but they're letting us rent for free. And um, there we got a grant for the work that we were doing and we're able to purchase a forklift. And then somebody bought us a 24-foot refrigerated box truck because... We saw that churches that we were um, helping, that we were getting food to, they didn't have a way to come pick the food up. So we said, we can do something about that. We're believing God for a 24-foot refrigerated box truck. And God does what he does, and he delivered. And now we have that, and we load it up, and we have pastors come pick that truck up, and they take it to their facilities, and they're able to hold on to it for a day or so and run the refrigeration and do that. So um, our food distribution, God's really blessed it and expanded it because we've got a lot of expensive equipment for, I mean, God put it on people's heart to pay for that. Right. So why aren't those states have distributions or do they? And they they just... do. The distributors just don't have somebody to get it to them. So they don't have the contacts that we have. Okay. So gotcha. they don't know the churches because they don't do business with the churches. But Rusty knows churches, so he is helping these distribution companies out because he wants churches to be sharing to be able to give the food and the gospel. Because it'll go to a nonprofit that doesn't share the gospel. Right. But we want to. it to go in the hands of God's people. I thought not you meant to you were physically big taking business. It. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, he's just working and making the contact between the church that wants the load and Go Fresh, so that Go Fresh can get a load to this church. And they can do the distribution. And I've seen people are receiving the gospel as they're receiving the food and as they're coming and helping serve. Through the network, we've seen through the the work of the church in the Farmers and Family Program, we've seen over 30,000 people give their life to Christ. Dang. Wow. um, Through food. Wow. And, I mean, we've seen a lot of people. I mean, our church has thrived through this. Like through mm-hmm. the pandemic, when churches are going under, we are growing, and it's because we've lived with an open hand. It started with the Conies saying, you know, we don't have much money, and we are not a huge mega church with a lot of money. We don't, I mean, we don't have the uber rich people that are a part of our church. We're just everyday people. 
and um well pastor Essie says we're not blue collar we're no collar um <laughs> but so so it's it we started with a small amount of money in our savings and said you know we can't do we we don't have a lot of resources but we have a coney shop and we have a little bit of money in our savings so we started giving free conies and then god just blessed and it was just compounded from there and now we're giving out i mean to to date we've given out i want to say four million pounds of produce from our parking lot four million pounds of produce and over three million gallons of milk and it started with a few conies here, a few conies there for free. Right. Just believing something bigger. Yep. It's going to happen. And when most people closed their fist and said, oh, man, we got to hold on to everything we have because we don't know what's going to happen with this COVID-19 pandemic, Pastor Rusty said, you know, we're going to live with an open hand, and if we go under, at least we go under helping people. That's the mission right there. Yep. And that's why you're always busy. And that is why <laughs> I am always busy. I actually... It is like in the teens here, and we did a food distribution and gave out like 400 boxes of food and over 400 gallons of milk um, yesterday. And then today I was out there, and I think my ears are frostbit. They're probably going to turn black, but um, my fault for not wearing a hat that covers them. But um, we're, I was out there today loading up a pastor in West Tulsa's U-Haul that he's going to take and do a distribution today at... Um, at five. So you have a YouTube channel. Let's talk about that. What do you do on your YouTube channel? Well, it's it's funny. It's kind of morphed. It started out as, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of finances. I like helping people win with money. Um, the average American, or not average American, but 78% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, no matter what they make. So if you make $100,000 a year, the majority of the people are living paycheck to paycheck. You make $20,000 a year. The majority of the people are living paycheck to paycheck. So it's not something that happens just in like, say, poverty-stricken, quote-unquote, um, households, but it is the majority, almost 80% of American households are living paycheck to paycheck. And that is one of my passions is helping people get out of debt, win with money, and provide for their families with dignity. So um, I myself am a hustler, and I can find any way. Every time I look at a situation, I think, how can I make money off this situation? I One time, somebody had a bunch of crates of wood, and I was like, they were throwing it away, and I went up to them. I was like, hey, can I have that? And I took it, and then... I ended up flipping it. I got it for free, and I sold it for five hundred dollars. Wow! On Facebook Marketplace, and and that that last summer, I made enough to buy a sixteen foot tandem axle trailer, paid cash for it from the wood that I was getting for free, and I was borrowing somebody's trailer, and <laughs> to get it, and then I bought a trailer, and I I mean I probably made like last year probably six thousand dollars off free wood. Wow. And, um, it's one of those things. It's like I am just like a natural born hustler. And um, I was thinking, like, through the pandemic, a lot of people have lost their jobs. And through the food distribution is what brought, like, why I started this is because everybody was doing great financially. Like, I mean, or appeared to be doing great financially until they're not. And it's one of those things. It's like a, a famous saying is um, you find out who's skinny dipping when the tide goes out. So uh, the 78% of Americans are skinny dipping with their finances and COVID-19 tide 
pulled out, and now you see everybody falling flat on their face because they the pandemic wasn't supposed to happen, right? I mean, it didn't. Get, they right. had a plan, and it was okay to borrow this money until it wasn't. And now people are losing their jobs. They're not able to pay. And I'm just like, man, I make money all the time. Like, I'm always making money. Like, we'll do a food distribution. And I was talking to our um, youth pastor. I was like, dude, see that stack of pallets right there? That's money. That's money in your youth budget. Yeah, it is. Right there. He took a load of pallets, made 43 bucks for his youth budget. I mean, it's one of those things. It's like those pallets are there, and you can take them and make money off of them, or somebody's going to. Yep. And um, I was thinking, I was like, so I started out back to the original part. So my YouTube channel started out by talking about, like, um, how to manage your money, um, what not to invest in, and a bunch of investing stuff. But then it's morphed into um, side hustles because you can make enough money off side hustles to replace your income. I'm a firm believer in that, and um, I make a lot of money on my side hustles. And like last week, I started a new side hustle for my YouTube channel to teach people how to do it. And in three days, I made $500. And I'd never done it before. I was just like, hey, I'm going to start this. I'm just going to do it. And so that's what my YouTube channel has morphed into. It's like trying out like Field Agent, an app that you can go do secret shopping. And I do it for a certain time limit. And I go and I tell people what to expect and then how much money I actually made off of it. And I was making a dollar a minute off Field Agent. I've done some secret shopping. I, I have two companies I do secret shopping for. Which companies? Sassy and uh, Conferro. Okay. Do they Are they on the um, Presto Shopper um, don't know. app? I have been involved with them since 2007. How much money do you make off that? Uh, it depends on what I do. Um, so I could go do a AMC shop and come out with like 80 bucks and a free movie and popcorn and drink. Do you just, you get reimbursed for that? Yes. Okay. Plus the Plus pay. The pay, yeah. Actually, last time I did AMC, I had to do, uh, I had to buy a pizza, oh. which was pretty good. But then there's other jobs like Priscilla's. I've, Where fun and fantasy meet. That's right. I, I have actually shopped that. Yeah, okay. And, and it was. <laughs> I'll ask Lisa. It was just, she, I told her about it. Uh, it wasn't even buying anything. You just went in. Uh, essentially, you made sure that the clerk was watching you and then you leave. Mm-hmm. And so I was in the store for maybe a whole two minutes and I made $25. Yeah. I mean, you can make good money doing secret shopping. And I mean, there's a buy and try um, that's been going on for a long time. And I'm just sitting here thinking, how did I not know about this when I was in college? What it is, is it's Bud Light Seltzer. They want to know what people think of Bud Light Seltzer. Wow, so really? you can go into any Walmart, purchase Bud Light Seltzer. Drink the Bud Light Seltzer, get reimbursed for the beer you just got, and then you get paid. What? So you get paid to drink Bud Light Seltzer. I'm going to Walmart. I mean, (laughs) I'm not doing it, um, but it's one of those things. I was like, where was this when I was in college? Right? (laughs) Yeah. It's like the perfect college side hustle. Yeah, so field agent app, buy and try. Gotcha. I do not condone that that one. But BBB does. (laughs) <laughs> but if you use my link, I get 10%. <laughs> <laughs> to break it down, just how can we get to your YouTube 
How can we get some milk? Like, what stuff do you want to give us here? You can find my YouTube channel. It's it's actually kind of hard because I have one of the most popular names in the United States. In the world. In 1990, the year I was born, my parents decided to name me Michael David Wilson. Michael was the most popular name, first name. Wilson was the most popular last name, and David was like in the top five. So I've got one of the most popular names. I When I went and bought my last pistol, it took two days because they couldn't get the background check because there's so many Michael Wilsons that committed <laughs> felonies, I guess. I, I don't know. Um, but I, I can't ever leave the store with a gun the day that I want it. Really? The day that, that sucks. Yeah. So maybe technology will get up there. Um, somebody will come check my YouTube channel and see that I'm, I'm not a felon and um, sell me a gun. Just start Michael Wilson, not but, a felon. Yeah, Michael Wilson. One of my most popular videos was um, how to eliminate debt fast. And so if you type in Michael Wilson, how to eliminate debt, and and it usually pops up and you'll see my beautiful face holding a $100 bill. And um, yeah, but can you connect like, I don't know anything about podcasts. Can you connect like links in? Yeah, we can put links. Okay, so so we'll get we'll get a link connected in there. And um, learn some more side hustles. Yep. Make some money. And see how much. But there's a lot of claims out there that you can make a lot of money off side hustles that you really can't make a lot of money off. And I'm just real with the people, and I'll tell you, this is a waste of time. Trying them all out. Yeah, I'm just trying them myself and saying how much money I made off of them and how so, that works. So I know you do home inspections as well. Yep. So are you also going to become a realtor and try that as a side hustle? No. That's mm. too much. Um, too much work? Well, it's um, not for the average person. And I did the video on home inspections, um, and now, I mean, it's a good, I mean, you can make a lot of money being a home inspector. That's that's a fact. You can, um, yes. But it's not for the everyday person that can start tomorrow, and that's what I'm focusing on Gotcha. Now, is like, what can I start now with no skills and start making money? When a pandemic happens, I lose my job. How do I make money to pay, to put food on the table, to pay my bills, to keep the lights on and all of that? So that that's my focus now. Gotcha. And if you're a pastor or a youth pastor and you need to increase your budget for your ministry, we got some side hustles. Yes. Go Start find some, pallets. some pallets. Yeah. Yes. Don't just sit in your office and, and pray about it. Go do something about it. We had a pastor just say, don't sit in your office and pray. Quote. <laughs> <laughs> don't just, just pray about it. You know, I, I'll tell you, um, uh, sitting and praying uh, I, I do in the mornings. In the morning, I have my time um, just where I'm doing a devotional like on my Bible app or whatever. But I am praying all the time as I walk. And it's one of those things like I'm not like the traditional like um, what you would expect as far as like the American I don't want to lump everybody into the, like, American pastor thing, but, um, I mean, I'm just going and doing it, and I'm praying as I do it. I mean, that dedicated time, I have it in the mornings. It's really not too long of a time, but I'm just constantly um, looking at Scripture as I'm going through my day, and so, so I, and I'm hustling while I'm doing it, praying without ceasing, conversation with God all day, every day. Well, Michael, I, I got this episode would be super long if I continued asking all the questions I want to ask. 
so we'll have to get you back on the program again, uh, specifically uh, about guns. Oh, no. I'm in. Drinking. Okay. Um, what else were very popular topics? Uh, Johnny came on with gods and marijuana. And there that- we go, marijuana. Drugs. Uh, you know, I will tell you, I don't know much about marijuana. Um, Neither do we. So that's what so makes I, us. I don't think that that would be very productive. Or... This podcast is not about knowing the facts. This is about just throwing, <laughs> making up the facts, throwing stuff out there, and seeing. You what's... know, it's funny. You say you're not going to be very productive talking about marijuana, which is marijuana makes you lazy. So you're not very productive, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so don't smoke marijuana and then come talk about marijuana. Right. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. Instead, we'll talk about it while smoking it. No, I'm kidding. And we won't. <laughs> That's so. it for this podcast, Andrew. Shut up. Thanks for coming on, Michael. Yep. Thanks for taking time out of your busy day to come and on. All by. your hustles. Yes, and I'm about to go brave the icy roads. <laughs> I slid so many times on the way here. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. So um, I'll go ahead and sign something just in case I die on my way out and go meet the Lord. Then maybe it'll be worth a couple dollars. <laughs> Heck yes. <laughs> we'll sell that. Sell that. <laughs> on uh, raffle it off. Um, help pay for my cremation there we go another side hustle another side hustle (laughs) all right guys thanks for listening we'll see you later take it easy